Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Director D.W. Thomas is too late. It's a cozy horror comedy set in Los Angeles independent comedy scene features Violet Fields, who works at, as a, at a thankless job as the assistant to Bob DeVore, famed comedian and host of a live variety show called Too Late. The film from there turns into a whole lot of different elements. Uh, it's a romantic comedy. It is a horror film. It is a commentary on show business. And at the end of the day, it's a lot of fun. There's some, a great cast of people in it. And we're joined today by the director of Too Late, and that would be D.W. Thomas. D.W., welcome to Film School Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Mike. Tell me a little bit about how this project came to you. How did you, how did Too Late happen in your life? Sure. Well, uh, my husband is a screenwriter and he was also a stand-up comedian. He did it for about four years or so. And uh, he met Ron along the way. And we've been wanting to make a movie about or sort of surrounded, um, focused on Ron Lynch for a really long time. And we were also thinking of low budget concepts that we could conceivably do ourselves. And so when we sort of first came up with the idea of, of an assistant feeding a monster, we really liked that kind of concept. And then we thought, oh, we could set it in the comedy world and specifically the stand-up comedy world because it is kind of easy for people to just go missing. And we thought it could be like a very, a very fun and creepy and also also a commentary on on the world at large on on um, stand-up comedy yeah so that's how it started and at what point did you yeah. did it become something it must have morphed into something that was fully more fully formed and you decided I want to direct it You're, you have a background as an editor but you've also directed in the past so what that's was that right. spark yeah yeah uh yeah well we we wrote it and we sent it to Ron to see if he'd be interested in it. And he loved it. And he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll sign on. And so at once Ron came on, we, we got a casting director and we sort of started pulling more people in and it, it's amazing. Sometimes when you feel like you're on the right path, people just come to you. And Ron sent the script to Mary Lynn and Fred Armisen and they both liked it. And so they became attached and it kind of, from there, it just sort of, it became more and more real and, yeah, and I always w had the plan of directing it. And so we actually wrote, um, we broke the story together. And then my husband, Tom, went and wrote the script. And so I was really involved from the very beginning. Yeah, and it was really exciting how it all just sort of came together. Obviously, it's an independent film. And I have not seen Ron Lynch. I think I've heard his voice. We talked about this before we got started. He certainly has this commanding presence. And he really is absolutely good, yeah, he's really is quite good in this. For people who don't know who Ron Lynch is, let's talk a little bit about him and his background because he has an interesting role in the film in that he's not in it as much as others are, but his presence in the film sort of looms over everything else in the film. That's right. 
Yeah. And Ron Lynch, he's been, he's been in the comedy scene for a really long time. He does a stand-up variety show himself. It's called the tomorrow show. And when we first started thinking about it, we kind of based his character around his real life persona because we, we knew he could deliver that. And also he could play with, with the darkness more and play with the monster side more. Ron is really a sweet, terrific guy. He is, he is not Bob in the, in the least, but he, he could really understand where Bob was coming from because we've, we've all seen those types of people in, in, especially in the film industry or the entertainment industry. He's been at it for a really long time and he's just, people have so much esteem for him in the, in the comedy world. Yeah, it was it was a it was a lot of fun to have him involved. Yeah, he's terrific. Well, here's the tricky part of our conversation. I want to talk about the film, I want to talk about the story, but I don't want to give too much away. And we will get mm -hmm. back to the other people who are in the cast because it is a, it is a wonderful cast. So I'll leave it to that thankless job to you to describe in as much detail as you think is reasonable. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, too late. It it follows uh, a lonely assistant who works a thankless job, and she she meets a fellow comedian, and they kind of fall for each other. And she sort of realizes that her dead end job is really going nowhere. She tries to escape from from her boss, who also happens to be more of a monster, both literally and figuratively. And it's really about her finding her voice and escaping from from a monster. And it's it's a lot of fun. I think we have the world of stand up comedy on the professional side, as well as the booked show side and coffee shops. And it's a wonderful picture of of the LA comedy scene, especially how it was a couple years ago. And now it's changing because of, of online, the internet and, you know, the pandemic. So it's sort of a world that we haven't seen in a while. And it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Elisa Limparis, who plays Violet Fields in the film, has to walk this kind of fine line. She has to be sort of the straight man in some of the scenes. She has to sort of set things up. But at the same time, she's got a very wry and she's very funny in the film. And especially this relationship that she has with Bob is very, it's, it's a tricky thing for her to sort of navigate. I thought she was really wonderful in the film. Talk a little bit about her. Yeah, she's great. Alyssa came in to audition for a different role. And when she came in, we, everybody was like, oh, wow, she's, she's our Violet. She was pretty much the Violet Fields at the end of the movie because Alyssa Limparis herself, she's a comedian and she's been doing it for a really long time from New York to LA. And um, she mostly does this front face comedy on Instagram. She's really well known for these mom videos. And so we knew that Alyssa could play Violet at the end of the movie. We just needed to make sure she could play Violet at the beginning of the movie when she's the put upon assistant. And and she pulled it off great. And that and like you said, she sort of plays the straight man, but she also conveys so much of that wry sort of sense of humor. You see it bubbling inside of her. You see who she, who she's capable of being if she just gets out from under the thumb of of her boss. And and also, I love her relationship with with Bob. There's sort of this father daughter thing going yeah. on. Like she respects him and she she knows you know she knows she has to do what she has to do or he might no longer need her services and that's when it becomes dangerous so yeah so it's a lot of fun and you really see 
Bob's vulnerability and she she really just brings out so much in our inviolate fields. I think Alyssa and Paris did a terrific job. Yeah, I, I do too. And that relationship, as you described it, is it's funny. Obviously, this is an exaggeration. The story is an exaggeration of the relationship that many people have with people in, in show business that where they have to do things that are just demeaning or just obviously uh, below their station in life. They're, they're, they're not given the due respect that they they deserve and do it willingly because they're hoping for that opportunity. And over the course of this relationship with Ron, she has this sort of resigned sense that she may or may not ever get the opportunity that she's putting all this hard work into and in the hopes of. So again, it's a part exactly. of her kind of character that she has to kind of navigate. Exactly. And and I think it's fun to think, you know, you never want to be too good at a job you hate. And so as an assistant, <laughs> if if you're too good of an assistant, then they never want to let you go. But you also want to move on and you want to become who you are. And I think there is a lot of that tension between, you know, it's like the changing of the guards in entertainment that that you don't really want the younger people to take over because then there's nothing left for you. And so it's sort of this antagonistic relationship where you need one another, but also you're afraid to let them have their time in the, in the spotlight. Right. Well, I think people who achieve a level of fame and fortune in entertainment show business, there is, there's obviously there's the element of talent, people who are good at what they do. There are tons and tons and tons of people who in, in the entertainment industry who are very, very talented but also a lot of it is circumstances and luck and fortune, good fortune, being in the right place at the right time. And you can leapfrog people that are better than you. It's a, it's a very sort of random sort of universe to live in. Uh, the talented people do tend to, to rise to the, to the top, but not always. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right time. <laughs> and that is really, yeah, that's really part of this. The film again is called Too Late and it's coming out on June 25th and it'll be released through Gravitas Ventures, which is a film distributor who puts out a lot of great work. And it's mm -hmm. also going to be available on iTunes, Google Play, Fandango, and all the major cable and satellite platforms on June 25th, coming right up this, this coming- That's right. It's also in select theaters. You might be fortunate to be somewhere where it's coming out in a theater near you. So you can go to Too Late the Movie com to find out more about the film, but also be looking for the uh, postings for where it will be playing in theaters near you. So check that out. Your background, I mentioned earlier, uh, the world of editing, and you also directed before. When you're doing, when you're filming a scene, do you think like a director or do you think more like an editor or are you finding the, a combination of the two? But I've talked to other editors who've gone on to be directors and they tend to continue to think as editors when they're on set. Is that been an experience for you. Definitely. I think, uh, especially since it was such a short shoot, it was a 15 day shoot. And Ooh. so we really didn't have a lot of time. And yeah. I definitely thought as an editor, I knew, I knew when I got something and I knew when I wasn't going to use an angle, I, I, I was definitely editing it in my head a lot, which, which I think is great. But also I think, I think you can, you can lose spontaneity if you think too much of, of the edit, I definitely, I definitely got more into the director mindset as, as I was going on, 
thinking more about playing with it and having spontaneity. So yeah, I think as an editor, it definitely helped me know when I had something and uh, know what I might want to use. But yeah, it's it's fun. It's it's definitely. I imagine it is. I imagine, uh, you know, again, the relationship uh, on set, I think, is probably closest to your cinematographer, in this case, Scott Toller Collins. And I don't know if mm-hmm. you worked with him before you, you worked on Too Late. Never. Yeah, no, he he just came on for this. So that's all. So obviously- actually was my first. Yeah, it was my first experience working with a DP. I usually DP'd my own stuff. And and that was um, also like an interesting experience conveying everything I had in my head to somebody else. And if, if you're really used to working on your own and kind of doing it all on your own head, it's, it's, it's definitely a learning, learning curve to, to articulate exactly what you're looking for and make sure everybody's on the same page. That is such an important relationship. That cinematographer, especially when you're doing a 15 day shoot, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, you have one advantage is that you were shooting, mo- I assume you only had a few locations. I may be wrong, but I'm trying to think back on the movie, mostly. Yeah, we we found uh, this great place downtown. <clears throat> it's called the uh, Hungarian Cultural Center. And they, <laughs> yeah, there were like 10 different rooms and like spaces in this place. And so our production designer, we just let him go. And he he did amazing things. I think, I think the film looks as amazing as it does because of him, because he, he put in everything and we'd be filming one, one scene like of of a restaurant. And then he would pull me aside and say, Oh my gosh, I've finished Bob's apartment. And then I'd go into another part of this area and Bob's apartment would be there. And it was amazing. He, he just did an amazing job. And so I think for low budget filmmaking, especially, finding one location that can service a number of different shots is is crucial because if you're moving around moving your whole camp to a different location every day it 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 takes up a lot of time and it really makes it hard to get everything and so yeah we were really lucky to find that location and we were lucky to have sam sam slosberg as well yeah that that really wears you down when you're doing that, I, I have, and I'm not going to in any way exaggerate this. I did for about, for 15 minutes, I was, I did some work on a, with video people who were shooting and we were moving around a fair amount for these shoots. Mostly it was industrial stuff, but nonetheless, it's exhausting being on a set in just, I'm, I'm going to sound a little weird here, just standing around for three or four hours at a stretch. It takes it right out of you. So it really does. It has a great look. It's uh, most of its interiors. There's a few exteriors. Most of it, but it's well shot. Well, it's well lit, and it, it, there's just enough of that the lighting to give that horror element to to everything. It gives that sort of veneer of something bad's about to happen. So between your editor, who you obviously had a background in editing, and your shooter, so that really you you were probably and it felt fairly comfortable after you got to. They, they to know you a little bit and you to know them. So that's an interesting dynamic. Yeah, I think I think we we were able to do a lot with with a, such a few amount of time. You know, with just fifteen days, we were able to get enough coverage to have something to cut and make it really fun and interesting. And the actors were also great. 
everybody was professional and, and really stuck to the script because they only got like two or three takes for each, each, you know, scene. And so they, they really had to nail it and also have fun with it. And everybody, everybody just brought their A game. It was a lot of fun. It, it was a pretty smooth running shoot. <laughs> yeah. And, and the makeup on, on Bob was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was very good. Oh at, yeah. The monster. Mo, Mo Meinhardt. She did the makeup. She did um, the prosthetics and she is amazing. And yeah, she is, she is terrific and she's constantly working and she is just so wonderful to work with. And we had a small budget and we approached her and we were like, do you think you could even do this? And she was like, yeah, I can definitely do it. And I, we're going to make it work. And as a, as an indie filmmaker, hearing people that are passionate and they, they want to make it work and they want to bring everything they have to the table, it, it's just so much fun. And so we worked together on sort of what Bob's different iterations would be because we knew we want wanted him to look kind of real, um, and then be be a monster that sort of can swallow people whole. And what would that look like afterwards? And so it was a lot of fun coming up with the Bob before and the Bob after, and then the Bob later on in the movie after stuff starts happening to him. And I don't want to give anything away, but yeah, it, it was just like so much fun and. And when, when Ron Lynch put on the suit, he, he, you could tell he was having fun and he would just embody this kind of creature. And it, you know, I think that was one of my favorite parts. That's the thing there's, it's sort of, it's scary, but it's also funny. It's, 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 but I think we've sort of gotten used to horror films that kind of play with that. We've over the years, going back to American Werewolf in London, there are a lot of, there's a lot of films over the course of the last 40 years or so where you, they've been able to make something frightening and, hor- and horrifying into something moderately funny or funny in the context of where, it's, where you're saying it, right? Yeah, and actually American Werewolf in London, that was one of my favorite movies um, growing up. And, and exactly what you said, it's that fine line between comedy, but it's also a very dry comedy. Yeah. And, and it's horror, but it's not, it's not like gruesome, overly scary. And so- I personally love those that that blend because it, it gives you a chance to really get into the characters and you're not covering your face the whole time and you're having fun. I just think that that it's a really fun genre to to, to sink your teeth into. It, well, and that's another thing for a lot of uh, independent filmmakers, people who are just starting out in the business, horror is a really good platform to work in because it's really all about imagination. And if you can find a couple of elements that you can introduce into it that give, like you did here with, with, with Bob and the way he morphs into this monster, you can have the world is your, at your feet in a way. You can do almost anything you want because you're into the world of the fantastic, right? So anything mm-hmm. is exactly. sort of plausible mm-hmm. if, you, if you do it right. And I love the relationship with Violet and, and, and Bob because they have this kind of knowing cynicism that they exchange they sort of know that they know they're both you know sort of game that they're playing although she's disappointed him for in him for not introducing her into a wider array of people in her life in his life and so but there's this kind of even when they're you know at at odds with one another they still have this kind of funny banter that goes back and forth between them it's a really fun that's really i think for me a really elevating part of the of the film is that sort of 
their banter. It's it's funny, but it's and it's also deeply cynical at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I love that that dynamic as well, because yeah, in in the comedy world especially, there's a lot of cynicism, <clears throat> and it's fun to sort of you know everybody's kind of having a hard time, and so how that comes out, it, it, it's a lot of fun to watch. Well, the film again is called Too Late. And uh, as I said, it comes out on June 25th in select theaters, as well as on digital platforms that include iTunes, Google Play, Fandango, and a lot of all of the major satellite platforms and cable platforms see it in a theater. You know, we need to get out. I need to get out. You know, we need to come out of our caves. I've been vaccinated. Everybody I know has been vaccinated. So, uh, so if you want to go to a theater, I think it's a great opportunity to do so. And uh, congratulations on the film, D.W. Thomas. Thank you so much, Mike. You're very welcome. The film, again, is called Too Late, and we've been talking with the director, uh, D.W. Thomas. Let's give credit to Tom Becker, writer, and you also co-produce with, with Tom on this project. And it, you also have your own um, production company called Firemark Media. So if people are interested they should check it out, firemarkmedia.com. And all the best. I hope you'll come back uh, and talk to us with the, when the next project is ready for the world. Absolutely. Would love to. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio. Music